This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today on the Online Enquirer podcast, let's get some insight on Michigan State and everything that is going on there. Because Sparty, four suspended players so far due to that melee in the tunnel after their 29-7 loss at Michigan that dropped them to 3-5 and five and 1-4 and four on the season. Remember, this is a team that was ranked number 15 in the country uh, coming into the season. So we talk with Graham Couch, my guy from Lansing State Journal. We used to cover the MAC back in the day. He covered Bill Cubitt at Western Michigan. I was covering Northern Illinois. Uh, that's when our relationship started. And uh, he's been my go-to guy at Michigan State for a long time. I feel like he's got the as good of a pulse as anybody on the Spartans program. So he chats about what is going on at Michigan State, the fallout of everything there. And in year three of Mel Tucker, what has gone so wrong compared to what went so right in year two of Mel Tucker? And he gives some great insight and context uh, into that program and what he took over and why the 10-year contract, you know, from the outside doesn't look so good. Uh, in year two here, uh, I, I tweeted out the other day, Mel Tucker and Brett Bielma have the same Big Ten record the last two years but uh, Graham gives some good insight, uh, and I think Michigan State obviously has some concerns, uh, but they had some concerns when Mel Tucker got there. And last year set a high expectation for the program. Uh, we'll see if Mel Tucker can get back to that. But Michigan State is a talented team. They have some good pieces on offense. Their defense has been more competitive the last couple weeks. Uh, so we'll get some more insight on that. And, and Graham was great uh, on Tom Izzo. I asked him a Tom Izzo question near the end. So look forward to hearing from him. Uh, but before we get to that, the college football playoff rankings will be announced. I'm recording this on Tuesday. I would expect Illinois to be in the top 20, um, maybe the top 15. We know what they got to do to get there. They got to run the table, right? If they want to get to the college football playoff, which is, we're having that conversation because we have to, right? At this point, Illinois is seven and one. And if they win out, if they win and they add to a six game winning streak and make it a right 11 game win streak and beat Michigan State, Purdue, Michigan on the road, 
they'll be heavy underdogs there, right? Uh, and then Northwestern, I think we all expect them to beat them. And then you beat, I would imagine, Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. The odds of that are very low. I, I think the ESPN FPI odds had them at about one, 0.1% to do that. But they could do that. And if they do, uh, they would probably be in the college football playoff, which is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But that is, is what is on the table. But to get all there, you got to win the next one. It's the same thing we said about Nebraska. And, and Brett Bielman and his team have done a great job of focusing on week to week. Like, they didn't overlook Nebraska. They didn't start off very well. They weren't a clean start to the game. But that never really felt too much in doubt once Casey Thompson got hit, Sidney Brown comes down with it, and Illinois scores. Right? Like, there was really – I didn't have many doubts that Illinois was going to win that game uh, after that. So they have just been business-like, workman-like, time after time, week after week here. And I would expect the same approach coming home to a potentially sold-out crowd. They're pushing some student tickets. You know, the website only had a couple dozen tickets left in Section 209. So it should be a fantastic atmosphere for Dad's Day uh, for Illinois here. So um, should be a great atmosphere and take care of business. You set up a win and clinch opportunity against Purdue. And the West Division, certainly Illinois looks like the best team. But there's another huge game uh, that, that you got to watch this weekend because – Purdue has an easy schedule to end the year. They got Northwestern November 19th, Indiana November 26th. Indiana, I think, can compete with Purdue. I don't think Northwestern can. But Illinois fans will turn to Iowa fans this weekend because if Iowa beats Purdue, that gives Purdue three losses in in the conference, and you hope Purdue, if Illinois loses to Purdue, might trip up against Indiana, right? Or Illinois could beat Michigan and then find a way to win it. But it's all going to come down to, most likely, Purdue at Illinois on November 12th. And Illinois right now, according to ESPN's FPI odds, is a 67% chance to win the Big Ten. And if you go by some of the Vegas numbers, Illinois was, I think, minus 225, which is about 67 to 70% chance uh, to win the division. It's basically all going to come down to that one. But if Illinois wins the next two games, that's it. You're going to the Big Ten championship game. Crazy times. Crazy times we live in. All right, let's talk preview Michigan State with Graham Couch, Lansing State Journal coming up. Joey Wagner and I will have a separate podcast this week, giving our thoughts on Illinois football, where they stand. And no, no commitment yet. It's been more than 24 hours, Brett Bioma. But I was told in due time, in due time, they will have another commit, which is probably something you'd say anyway, because you're going to get another commit. But hasn't come to fruition quite yet. We'll see what comes down the pike. Graham Couch, Lansing State Journal, on Michigan State, next on the Online Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Always love catching up with my guy, Graham Couch, Lansing State Journal. And Graham, let's just get right to it. To fall out from the Michigan melee, uh, what can you tell us about what we know and what have you made about Michigan State's response? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it was beyond uh, inexcusable, right? You can't, you can't do that. I mean, there are lots of, of factors that went into why something like that might happen, including the temperature of that rivalry, which is ugly and unhealthy and and frankly could probably use a break probably shouldn't be a protected rivalry for a while it's reached that sort of place um but and that's and that's really outside as much as anything the, the fan base is the hatred for each other and the vitriol on and social media and, and just where that is um but in terms of what it means for michigan state football moving forward um could be without a couple starters i think the most consequential guy who suspended is Angelo Gross, a safety, uh, or, or, or Nickelback, you know, for them. Um, and so we'll see if there might, you know, more videos come out. There may be another suspension or, or two before uh, uh, the game. And, and so we'll see what, whether, the, and, and if, whether that are any more key players. I think the real question for Michigan State is like, um, you know, how you – sort of rally from that in a week's time, get focused and play a really good opponent. And, um, and you know, they, they've shown some improvement in certain ways in recent weeks. Uh, but I, they're just not a team that's shown that they have it, that they have, you know, what, what Illinois showed, like going down to Nebraska in a game, everybody was picking Nebraska with a plus seven and a half and all that stuff and making that a popular bet. And, Illinois goes down and very business-like, just a better team, a more disciplined team, a more seasoned-looking team. Like, MSU doesn't have all those, um, you know, all doesn't have those things working for it right now. Yeah. Well, Michigan State, I, I think most expected them to regress a little bit for, from last year. But what has gone so wrong on, on the field this season to, to be one and four in the Big Ten, Graham? Yeah, it's buyer beware on year two for year three for Illinois fans of the uh, Brett Bielema era, you know, because um, there, are, there are some differences um, in terms of what, what's going on. A lot of what happened last year was uh, they had, I mean, they obviously had Kenneth Walker, who's had been incredible in the NFL of late, and you can kind of see the impact he had as a transfer. And they also had a more seasoned offensive line. And th that those are the two biggest differences between last year. And the, the offensive line has really struggled at times. And they knew that was a potential problem. They also defensively for a while had some some injuries that, that I don't think they were writing, running a scheme that worked for them early on. And they also had some injuries that were turned out to be incredibly debilitating. And, and I thought their depth might be a little bit better there. But when they lost Darius Snow, uh, Xavier Henderson and Jacob Slade as their all Big Ten defensive tackle, two safeties and two key um, guys in the back end. And Slade was, or uh, uh, Darius Snow was going to play more of a hybrid linebacker type deal. But anyway, they they couldn't. They just without those guys, they were lost. They were in big trouble. 
and uh, Jaden Reed then was hurt too on offense and so they, they had guys hurt in places they just don't have the depth to afford it and that was a big part because as soon as Henderson and Slade came back they beat Wisconsin like and they looked okay against uh, Michigan uh, at times so there have been definite improvements on the defense just there like they're not they're not three and five if those guys don't get hurt they beat somebody along the way I don't know if it's Maryland or the Minnesota game looks a little different whatever it might be um the but the other thing is I mean this is just sort of what they were last year was a team that maximized everything they could be and this year they have not and in the, there are reasons for in the rebuild they are where they are um this is like Mel Tucker's first recruiting class are true freshmen right now so you could argue that somebody like like when, when did Bielema get the job 2020 yeah and, and, but in like what November, December 2020 yeah so he, his first full recruiting class is just in now yeah right right so Bielema and Tucker are in the same boat because he, B, uh, Tucker sums in in February so he's got D'Antonio's 2020 class and which was a really weak class that's starting to permeate the program that's a problem and then you wind up in 2020 the, the next class is what he calls his zoom babies all on so his first class he gets the job a month later COVID hits and his first class is sort of done on zoom it's okay there's some decent kids in there but it's not really a real recruiting class and so his first real recruiting classes this year this next year is a really important year but for MSU fans they're going to have to be patient because I really don't think it's fair to judge the talent in the program now it's fair to judge how they coach and maximizing who you are and looking competent on the field but in terms of rising the talent level you're probably looking at 2025 before it's fair to say hey that's how that should look they should compete with Ohio State they should compete with Michigan so a lot of it's just the realities of the talent permeating the program that you can't fix everything through the transfer portal and sometimes you hit with those guys sometimes you don't um but and, and then the Kenneth Walker factor last year they without Kenneth Walker last year they're they're probably a, a five or six win team and they won 10 and then 11 with the bowl win so that they're not that much different than last year they just don't have him but they also I, I would argue their offensive line is substantially worse you know from the outside you know you, you have a year like this and, and I think everyone was whoa that 10-year contract to Mel Tucker you, you said the word that I think most people around Michigan State knew is, is there was a little bit of a rebuild here and, and this was going to be a long-term thing um, so so what do you think the 10-year contract with Mel Tucker where this program's trajectory is what the timeline of of this so-called rebuild is yeah and i think there are two tracks right there's a here and now they're there what they're doing today and and then which isn't that things haven't gone that well and then there's the the what they're trying to become and, and you don't want the track that's here now to mess with the recruiting to mess with other things and it has to some degree already i mean they had 12 four-star kids in the class pretty early they've lost about three of them and they're recruiting at a level that you know they're up against people are trying to flip you constantly um, and their class isn't that big right now. I mean, it's really mostly four-star kids, but they're only about you know, 12 people in the whole class. So it'll be interesting to see how he rounds that out. They have not settled for a lot of guys. Um, and uh, so that that's interesting. So the timeline to me is the year that his first class, which are true freshmen right now, are redshirt juniors and seniors. And he's now had three classes that ought to be to some degree in the playing group. That's the first year that's a judgment year. And, and that's what they were paying for initially. Now, I don't think they were hoping things would look like this. They haven't looked. There's a lot of reasons not to be confident in what transpired this year. Um, so 
I, I think all that criticism is fair, and he is making a lot of money. But he's being paid. He was paid for two reasons, largely paid to avoid regret. Like Matt Ishbia and, and uh, Steve St. Andre, the two boosters. By the way, the school is not paying uh, most of that extra money. That's paid by two boosters. And the school gave him a slight raise. But it's no more money than they would be paying the next coach. or the, It's the market value. What the school is paying him is not the top of the Big Ten. And it's less than what James Franklin's making. It's less, you know, it's not that absurd. The total contracts, you can argue all coaching contracts are absurd and it's pretty large. But they were paying not to have what happened to them with Nick Saban happen again. Matt Ishbia, who's one of those two donors, was a walk-on on Michigan State's basketball program when that went down with Saban back in 99. And Izzo still regrets that Michigan State was on a road trip at North Carolina the night it happened between the school president and Saban. Thinks he and Saban were really close, thinks he could have prevented it. Like, there's all sorts of PTSD that goes on with Michigan State fans in that moment. The other thing is I would argue that they should be grateful they did it. Because think about this. Think if they hadn't paid for Tucker. And I don't know how much was real about interest. I don't know that LSU was interested. I don't know who was. His agent may have, you know, worked a couple reporters and gotten that to, you know, get into a situation where MSU felt like they had to react. But if he had gone somewhere else, some other poor sap would be the head coach right now with this same roster, probably losing. And everybody would think that Mel Tucker was like, you know, God's gift of football, and he was at some other school, and the new guy would have no chance. So at least now you you have the guy who, you know, you look like you struck gold with, and certainly you have a guy who's, um, I think, you know, it has to be accountable for that contract, for the the, the build. And um, are there a lot of people who are doubting it right now? Are there a lot of people who think his staff's going to need some turnover? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe it, maybe it will. Um, but I, it, it's certainly a um, – yeah, it, it, it's a fascinating time because they're going to be worse next year than this year, I think. Hmm. Like, people are going to – the patience it's going to take – like, their offensive line isn't very good, but they lose a lot of them this year, and the guys coming in behind them don't seem like they're ready to play now, so why are they going to be okay next year? You know, maybe they'll be better in certain spots as, uh, you know, teams change every year to year, but I don't see them being significantly different. So on the field this year, uh, Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed was a fun combination last year. You said Jaden Reed getting back healthy now. Uh, that's certainly a passing attack that certainly seems like it could still be dangerous. We know Daniel Barker is on the other side. Interesting uh, dilemma there is uh, Illinois is having a really good season. Yeah. Michigan State is not. Uh, they have some transfer running backs, but the, the running game without Kenneth Walkers has taken a step back. So you said you've seen some growth. Like, What have you seen offensively out of Michigan State the offensive line uh, notwithstanding. Yeah, I mean, where Michigan State has an advantage some weeks, and should most weeks, is their, their playmakers on the outside, their tight ends. Daniel Barker's part of that. He's had some 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 good games, some big moments. Uh, they got another kid named Malik Carr, who's probably a prototypical NFL kid, who's probably at least another year away. Um, and people thought he was going to have a better year this year. And they got uh, one other tight end is pretty good. But, but really... Carr and, and Barker are the two guys who can create some problems for defenses. And then you have Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed, especially at, at receiver. And, and Coleman is is an NFL guy. He's only a sophomore, but he's, you know, a 6'4", 200-pound receiver who's, um, I mean, he had four catches for 104 yards in the first half against Michigan, including two balls that he went up and got and won the touchdown. He's He is a guy that you can see the, the, 
trajectory. Like when, but when they didn't have Jaden Reed at Washington early, and Malik, uh, and, and or sorry, and Keon Coleman made some big plays, but he's still not ready to be the guy. Like he made some important plays. Like he, he wasn't always in the right place. He's not a guy that there's not quite that chemistry. He is a, is a number two right now. He's very effective. I think one of the things people are real frustrated with is in the first half against Michigan, they, they were, Michigan was loaded up on on Jaden Reed and Coleman had single coverage and they took advantage of that. And the second half they didn't do anything and they didn't find a way to get those guys the ball. And but, but together, I mean, Jaden Reed against Wisconsin had like nine catches for 117 yards, including the game-winning 50-50 ball in overtime threw a touchdown pass in overtime and returned a punt 80 yards for a touchdown that was called back on a um, for a, a, a penalty. But nonetheless, like like just all the makings of a, a playmaker and a star in, in, in any game. And so those that, that's where they can step out and if, if, if separate themselves. And if the line holds up to an adequate level, which is 50-50, um, then they can cause some problems for you. But they can't run the ball consistently. Their backs are okay but they don't have the, the line to do it. Uh, the defense has really struggled um, this season for the most part, Graham. Uh, what, what are the issues there? And, and they always seem to have some talent, and they brought in some transfers, I know. So uh, just what do you think of the defense so far? Yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting to, to replay it if they don't get the, the injuries right away yeah. uh, to the guys that, that, that got hurt because it, it did change. You know, like in hindsight, the idea they would win at Washington without all those guys is, is sort of ridiculous now. Um, you you're seeing now when they've gone to more of a four three and they moved Jacoby Winman to, to, to linebacker. And, um, and certainly, uh, you know, we'll see, I, I, right now he's a guy who's playing in this game. He's a guy whose number pops up in the videos. I don't know how culpable he is. I don't know whether anything will come of that, but, um, the, they're okay right now. I mean, they, they, they gave Wisconsin trouble. They held Michigan to five field goals, Michigan, one of Michigan's touch, two touchdowns was off, you know, a, a, a punt that went awry because they got their backup long snapper in there. Another issue that Michigan State's having right now, um, and that created a, like an eight-yard short field for Michigan. But really, it was that game was was 22 points given up, even though they ran for a lot of yards. The defense has sort of found itself a little bit, and I don't think they're they're not like the identity of the team. They're not like, oh my God, you're facing Michigan State's defense. But they're not the sieve that they were um, a few weeks ago. And, and, and Slade up front makes a big difference. And I think being in the 4-3 helps. But um, just how much that trickle down the other linemen is um, and, and their depth there, which I thought at the beginning of the year would be the strength of the team is uh, the interior defensive line. And you're starting to see that a, a, a little bit. And you know, Michigan's a team that can run on everybody. But, you I know, mean, Michigan didn't have the 60, 70, 80-yard runs they've had against other people against Michigan State. It was, it was a pretty decent decent effort in certain ways so Graham what do you expect on Saturday given everything going on the defensive guys who will be out we'll see who else if anybody else is out yeah. against an Illinois team as you said they're locked in man like it's been a really impressive coaching job here uh really well-rounded team so so what do you expect from Michigan State on Saturday it's a good question I you know I, I don't know um you know there's I think Michigan State does have some good leaderships at key places uh like Xavier Henderson I, I can't even describe the impact of his absence. I mean, he's their safety. He, he, he knows everything. He calls out. His pre-snap communication is, is everything. So for a while, they've got young players and transfers back there in, in a key position, but also in the locker room and other things. Like they, they've got some guys who will, uh, will care, who are veterans, who will try to keep this thing focused. 
Um, I don't know exactly everybody they'll be missing. Um, but the, the real key to me, I think the defense, even if they're missing some guys, has is, is found itself enough to, to hang in there. Um, what I wonder is, can Michigan State's offense find itself enough to put pressure on Illinois? Like, you know, Michigan State offensively has not scored. They scored 34 against Wisconsin, but 13 of those are in overtime. So they haven't scored more than three touchdowns. They haven't gotten above the 21 mark um, since, like, Akron. Well, maybe I guess they had more than that against Washington late they scored. Yeah, yeah. But really, it was that offense that I thought was going to threaten people. You know, they got seven points. They have two 70-yard drives in the first half against Michigan. One results in a touchdown, one a failed fourth down. Um but otherwise, they don't do anything. They had 21 against Wisconsin, uh, you know, very little against uh, Ohio State, and same for, I mean, almost Maryland. They had like 13. They really struggled in the second half to get anything consistently going. And they, the whole team was just awful against Minnesota, one of the worst games I've ever seen a Michigan State football team play. Um, so I, I, what I don't know is, like, do I think the, the, the defense is, is okay enough to, to keep this – respectable yeah but that only works if your offense can get into the mid-20s and and put some pressure on somebody and can put some drives together and have big plays and they have some capability for it but if they can't if they can't uh if they don't win up front uh to some degree then, then it's probably it's probably a double digit loss graham couch i want to leave you with this um you've covered tom Izzo for such a long time uh, where are we at in the Tom Izzo? Like, what chapter is this? Like, what what would you title uh, this chapter of Tom Izzo's part of his career? Yeah, I don't know what your um, what your FCC language thing is on this podcast, but some people would call this his FU tour. Um, you know, he is uh, he is out there in a year of a transfer portal, saying, "I like my guys. We're going to build them. We're not going to do that." He's out there in the age of a lot of things changing, saying, "This is the way I do it." and we're going to see if it works and we'll see i don't know um he's rolled up his sleeves before and you know his recruiting class coming in a year from now is pretty dang good Mm -hmm. and that's um he is you know people when when things weren't going great people kept comparing him to d'antonio which i didn't think was fair because i mean d'antonio and that crew ran out of steam that staff did the izzo is way too ornery and fired up in life to ever i mean he's not going to keep doing that when he's out of steam you're going to get frustrated but but th- th- this last year showed he can still when he zeroes in on a class go get it and i think that was a um you know that was an important thing people needed to see not they have a, a roster they have a like they have a roster this year that i find really interesting be fun to watch i don't know how great they'll be i think they'll be good in the backcourt they could be really good offensively i don't they might struggle, you know. They may not have a five that can deal with certain centers, um, but they'll be they'll be interesting. And if the right guys stick around, then the the year after that could be could be really really good again. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't think he's done. I, I would argue that you're probably looking because I mean, he there's not he doesn't know what else to do. Like he's not somebody who has a plan B. You know, he doesn't like like want to go fish or golf or this is what he does and. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's doing it five years from now. Also, Grant, can I get your outside perspective? You cover the league so well. What do you make of what's going on in Illinois right now with, with football and basketball both being good? Yeah, it, it will enjoy it because <laughs> here's the thing. Um, you know, I, I got to go through this a lot with Michigan State for a while, and 
especially those years where Michigan State, Michigan State had like six years in football where they won three Big Ten titles and a three-year span where they won 36 games. And the basketball team in some of those years was ranked number one at times. I mean, it was, and it was almost sensory overload for MSU fans because it was just like, they couldn't handle two things at once. And it was all so good or it was all so bad or whatever it was, there was lots of emotions. And Michigan State, and Illinois has some of this. Like Illinois to me is a basketball school. But it's there are more tenants of football, people caring about football if they were good than other places. Like it's not Indiana in that sense. Michigan State is truly a place that's pretty fifty fifty. And and I think that that is, a, um, that is a that is a cool thing for that fan base because they truly can turn to turn a page when a football season goes wrong. Like to have both going, yeah. then when one doesn't have a year you like, you can just turn the page and, and it's like, okay we got something else. Whereas if you're at Notre Dame and you have a bad two months in a football season, it's 10 months again before you can feel your soul again, right? Like that's it. They don't care about hoops, even if they're good. So I think, yeah, I I think it's pretty cool. I think I'm curious to see this Illinois basketball roster. Like there's a lot of changes, a lot of new pieces, a really interesting talent. And then how it all comes together. I'm curious to watch, but yeah, no, I think this is, these are the years to, to, uh, to embrace and if you're covering it it's a hell of a lot better than the alternative well said well said graham couch lancy state journal appreciate the time as always man anytime thanks for having me jeremy the fu tour for tom Izzo. i like that we'll see how it goes um he's certainly recruiting preps at a high level just don't understand why he didn't try and add you know one more piece via the transfer portal you know him and uh, matt painter it's been interesting the way they've approached the new age of college basketball with nil and transfer portal those guys aren't doing as well as, say, a Brad Underwood, Chris Holtman, Juwan Howard at these things. It's going to be interesting to see where those programs go, but they still are getting, you know, Matt Painter's a great coach, develops really well, evaluates really well to what he does. And then Tom Izzo is is recruiting preps at a high level, but there's just not a lot of depth there, right? Ten scholarship players right now, and I think they just could have used a, a big body so they got an interesting roster. You know, Tyson Walker is a really good guard. AJ Hogard's a really good guard. Jaden Akins has breakout potential. Hauser is is a good player, not a great player, but he's a good player. Malik Hall certainly has all Big Ten potential. So that's a team I'm not low on. I know some team people are low on them. Uh, I'm not as low on them as others. I think they can compete in this conference that doesn't have a, a no doubt number one you know title contender final four no doubt team like i think this this michigan state team can compete it's just there's not a lot of depth and he is counting on continuity and you know no added pieces to disrupt things we'll see how it all pays out for tom Izzo. but if they're good this year and they add the great recruiting class they got coming in next year uh, michigan state could be back atop the big 10 uh, certainly a, a strong top of the conference with those programs i just rattled off the first five or six Really strong, consistent programs. Uh, Illinois football against Michigan State going to be an interesting one. Going to be interesting to see how Michigan State responds. But most of all, I just think Illinois is really locked in. I think they're really locked in right now. They're the better team. They're the deeper team right now, probably than Michigan State, which is really weird to say. They're better in the trenches. And can Michigan State's struggling offense, which is averaging about 16 points per game during conference play, can it score on Illinois' defense? Can anybody score 20 points? Michigan, I think they will, but it's it feels like it's got to be one of those teams, like Michigan or Ohio State, to do it. Purdue, can they? That'll be a fun matchup. 
Like they, these are kind of fun matchups the next two weeks to see if Illinois' defense can continue to flex its muscles. But why wouldn't you think they can? They just did it against a Nebraska offense that could be explosive. And I know they knocked out their quarterback, but that's two quarterbacks in a row that Illinois is knocked out. Not not purposefully, obviously, but uh, though I know some Minnesota fans uh, and writers disagree with Gabe Ackes against Tanner Morgan. I don't think your mind works as quickly as as it does in slow mo. Uh, the real world doesn't happen that fa- that slow, um, but yeah, Illinois defense has just been packing a punch. You could say pun intended or not intended. I'm not sure there. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate all the support. Find us on YouTube. Put most of our podcast interviews or segments up on YouTube if you prefer to watch that way. It's been great to see that community grow. So give us a like, hit that like button, hit subscribe on YouTube. And if you're not a VIP member now, November's the best month to do it. $1 for your first month of VIP membership to Illini Inquirer. We got basketball season about to start. Football fighting for a Big Ten championship berth and a top-tier potential New Year's Six Bowl and maybe college football play. Who knows? Who knows in 2022? Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the On Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.